Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Monday, May 4th. I'm Wayne Pratt. A gradual reopening of businesses throughout Missouri begins today. Governor Mike Parson is allowing his statewide stay-at-home order to expire. Local communities can keep stricter guidelines in place. That includes St. Louis City and County, where stay-at-home orders remain in effect. More details are emerging about U.S. Steel's plans in Granite City during the pandemic. About 700 workers have received possible layoff notices. The company says the actual number of those affected could be lower. U.S. Steel announced the idling of a blast furnace in late March, along with reduced operations in other areas of the Granite City facility. A homeless camp has been removed in downtown St. Louis. City workers cleared the area off Market Street over the weekend. About 40 people were moved to emergency shelters. Mayor Lida Krusen ordered the removal of that camp, citing health concerns during the outbreak. Her decision survived a court challenge by Arch City defenders. The Illinois State Board of Education is issuing guidelines for schools that want to hold some type of graduation this year. It recommends virtual events along with drive-through ceremonies for people stay in their cars. Traditional graduations have been essentially wiped out this year because of coronavirus. Here are the numbers. Missouri is reporting more than 8,300 positive results out of 91,000 tests for the virus. More than 350 people have died. State health officials in Illinois report roughly 65,000 positive results. Nearly 320,000 people have been tested. There have been more than 2,600 deaths. In a few minutes, we will report on how a small group of high school teachers from throughout Missouri is developing a curriculum about coronavirus. As we mentioned, parts of Missouri will be allowed to reopen today after being shut down for weeks during this pandemic. Governor Mike Parson is allowing a statewide stay-at-home order to expire. It is phase one of what he expects to be a lengthy process to restart the economy. This is not the flip of a switch. The coronavirus is not gone, and we must continue to be proactive and maintain social distancing to protect not only ourselves, but everyone around us. Parson's decision does not have to be followed by local governments, so similar orders remain for places like St. Louis City and County. There is no limit on the size of social gatherings in much of Missouri, as long as people stay six feet away from each other. This first phase of Governor Parson's reopening plan is slated to last through the end of the month. The statewide stay-at-home order in Illinois remains in effect. While some cities in Missouri are starting to let up on coronavirus restrictions, Fort Leonard Wood is tightening them. Major General Donna Martin says the installation and surrounding area have not yet seen the full extent of the virus. The trend of cases, community spread, and community testing in our region do not indicate that we are on a downward slope or a side of this curve. Martin says training will continue, but with face coverings and social distancing. Fort Leonard Wood is also encouraging soldiers and civilians to report people who are not following rules to slow the spread of coronavirus. 
Missouri health officials will not publicly identify nursing homes that have workers or residents who have tested positive for the virus. As St. Louis Public Radio's Eli Chen reports, state officials are defending their decision by pointing to patient privacy laws they say do not allow facilities to be named. State officials said Friday they would only share the number of nursing homes in each county that have at least two infected residents or workers. But advocates for nursing home residents say not identifying nursing homes makes it hard for families who need to put their relative into a facility. David Terry is an attorney who represents nursing home residents and their families. They should have that information before they put mom or dad into a nursing home. Illinois health officials started identifying nursing homes with COVID-19 cases in mid-April. I'm Eli Chen, St. Louis Public Radio. The timeline for the census headcount has been pushed back about three months because of the outbreak. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports how this change affects local efforts to count people in Illinois. Most of the census operations were supposed to wrap up by the end of July. That's things like self-responses and in-person follow-ups. Now the headcount won't finish until the end of October. Shannon Anderson is a program manager at Teens Against Killing Everywhere, which is based in East St. Louis. Her organization received a state grant to encourage census participation, but she says that funding runs out at the end of June. So the beautiful thing about this is that we're working with a lot of community partners, even without the funding. I'm pretty sure that the people we've been working with will continue. Anderson says the extension by the Bureau is good, since it gives communities more opportunity to respond to the census. Nearly 60% of Illinoisans have responded. In Belleville, I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio. For Missouri science educators, the COVID-19 pandemic has become a teachable moment. Reporter Ellie Moxley explains how a small group of high school teachers from the state is urgently developing a curriculum about coronavirus. Raytown High School science teacher Christy Darter had just finished teaching a unit on viruses when the coronavirus closed schools. She was especially worried about her seniors. Everything had changed so quickly. As their science teacher, it was hard to not be able to see them and talk to them when I knew that they were probably upset about something that was very relevant to our class. So Darter set up a Google form for them to ask questions. They had a lot. How do I get this? Why is it affecting certain populations of people more than others? How many symptoms do I have to have to get the test? Uh, Is there a chance that I could have this and not know it and transmit it to my family? That's how Darter knew she needed to actually teach about COVID-19, even as she and her students lived through it. For several years now, University of Missouri professor Pat Fredrickson has been encouraging science educators to teach what are known as socioscientific issues. That is, relevant, real-world problems. She's helped teachers tackle issues like vaping and genetically modified foods. Now she's working with Darter and other educators to design coronavirus lessons. I think it's really difficult for teenagers to, um, they're very social um, and they want to be with their friends. We wanted them to understand like, why is this policy going to help us flatten the curve? Fredrickson's team received a $200,000 grant from the National Science Foundation to create the coronavirus curriculum. The lessons are being taught remotely to students at a handful of schools now, and they'll be refined so more teachers can use them this fall when, 
hopefully, kids are physically back in class. One of the lessons, Fredrickson says, is a computer simulation that models how viruses spread. Let's say 20% of your population is physically distancing. Um, what is that going to do to your infection curve versus if 80% of people um, do this? Also on the team is Andrew Kinslow, a science teacher at Rockbridge High School in Columbia. I particularly talked a little bit about what flattening the curve actually means, you know, illustrating St. Louis in 1918 as a result of the influenza outbreak versus Philadelphia. That's a real common example that's used. Back then, St. Louis shut down sooner than Philadelphia and had fewer deaths, which seems especially relevant now. Kinslow is using the COVID-19 lessons in a class he co-teaches with a social studies teacher. I don't know how many times in the past couple of weeks I've thought like, wow, if we only knew in December, what? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, been, it's a little crazy. But the skills Kinslow was teaching have been especially useful during the pandemic. Helping students ask a few key questions. So who is the author of this piece of information and who is it intended for? Um, so is this a purely informational piece put out in more of a scientific article? Is this satire? Is this clickbait? At the very beginning of the COVID-19 project at MU, Kinslow says their team brought in a child psychologist. Uh, and that question came up like, uh, are we sure that, you know, asking them to kind of talk and think about this COVID stuff, is that not um, just causing more harm? He and the other teachers were told to be flexible. And what they found is that learning together about the coronavirus is helping everyone process difficult emotions. Darter, the Raytown teacher, says her students are managing to log in even when things are tough at home. She has a few who are watching younger siblings and others who are helping support their families. I mean, I do have a large number of students right now that are working very long hours in grocery stores, uh, hardware stores, Walmarts. I thought participation would decline very dramatically, and it has not declined. She says that tells her students really do want to learn about the pandemic that has disrupted their lives in education. I'm Ellie Moxley. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio, music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.